Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sorry about the noise. My neighbor's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Life's so full on, I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We're in New Zealand, good morning and welcome to this Wednesday morning, 9 to 12 with Ian Smith on SCNZ Mornings and we begin today with the bloke who invented podcasts, Richard Turner. Uh, we've also got Paul Fotuera, former Kiwi League great, uh, also a really interesting story about him, motor racing great Greg Murphy joins us just after 10 o'clock, Andrew Gordy and Dylan Cleaver on the panel, Erin Routliff, remember we talked to her the other day, based in Canada but playing some great women's doubles. And surging up the rankings, so good news interview there with with Aaron. That's just after eleven o'clock. Uh, eleven o'clock this morning. And Joseph Moore, uh, you might remember Joseph Moore. If you don't, you'll uh, remember him at eleven forty-three this morning when we talked to him as part of our segment for sport. Is absolutely no joke. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon. Well, one of rugby league's genuine hard men summed up the latest headline capturing fiasco in the code yesterday in two very short, sharp paragraphs akin to a couple of his famous midfield jabs that landed right on the chin. On radio, Mark Guyer was quoted as saying, it pisses me off on the biggest and best week of our calendar. We are talking about off the field stuff. How stupid to let someone in your inner sanctum have a camera out. Every phone is a loaded gun. It's so selfish, they've let their club and their fans down. Well, Guy knows full well that when the brakes are off, the boys will be boys, there will be parties, there will be occasions when the rules of acceptability are broken, and regrettably at times when the rules of the law are as well. God knows he would have been central figure to a lot of shenanigans on Mad Mondays during his illustrious career. But heaven protect the bloke that filmed anything that Guy and his mates got up to, and then released it on a medium for the world to see. The planet simply wouldn't have been big enough. So if it is an illegal substance on the table and not the leftover salt after the fish and chips have been consumed that these boys are guilty of consuming, let's be fair though for the high jump. The league, as with most codes, have a pretty high bar set when it comes to this stuff. The Peter Volandis in the game have worked too damn hard to keep the game front and centre during the stamp pandemic. Its popularity, its ratings, its profile have increased as a result. His methods and determination on behalf of the league and its fans has been exemplary and it's his door that should receive the first knock when it comes to the process of apology and regret. These fools should get hefty bans and fines and get the full bulk tossed at them. There has This has been 
a really bad thing and there has to be a strong deterrent. Then when League have finished with them, maybe a session with Mark Geyer and his contemporaries. And that's after Bellamy has played his card. And maybe they could invite Reese Walsh to that party as well. In the unlikely event, like Halley's Comet, I'm wrong here, I'll need all that leftover salt to eat my humble pie. Well, Richard Turner, former Chiefs captain and All Black number 917 is on this morning because there have been interesting developments in Chiefs country as Warren Gatlin moves into the director of rugby role. Clayton McMillan stays on as head coach for the 2022 Super Rugby season. And uh, Pod, he deserves a say on this because he was the first ever Chiefs captain. Uh, Pod, good morning to you. First of all, uh, where are you and what are you up to these days? We're missing you. <laughs> G'day Smithy, great to chat mate, I miss you guys too, miss you guys too mate, um, living the dream up north, so uh, so got got into a, um, a construction, residential construction business mate, so that's taking up all my time now, so I've, I've had to uh, I've had to give the dream life doing uh, doing radio commentary, uh, I've had to give that one the big sidestep, so uh, so now just, uh, just a fan like everyone else. Well, let's talk about this uh, Chiefs development that is confirmed yesterday. Uh, Warren Gatlin, regarded as one of the best coaches in the world, of course, um, all of a sudden he moves into the director of, of rugby. Uh, what do you make of that? Oh, look, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic compromise, isn't it? They, they, obviously, Clayton McMillan's had a massive influence while, uh, while in that caretaker's role, uh, but, uh, but Gatlin's back from, uh, from his sojourn with the, with the Lions and... Uh, and yeah, they've obviously sat down and and and, and had an you know an overarching uh, look at the, the the whole program and gone right. How do we retain these two blokes? Uh, Clayton's done a great job and and, and obviously has a, a massive future in front of him as a as a coach at the highest level. And uh, and obviously Gaddy's got that experience. So look, I, I think it's a it's a perfect match, and uh, they've managed to to find the uh, a position for for Warren. Um, obviously, managed to find the funds too to um, you know to create the position, and, and I think it's just as I say, I think it's the perfect scenario for the Chiefs. News Hub reported last night that that Warren Gatlin had lost the dressing room last year. Um, they've got some information from somewhere, uh, particularly when the Chiefs didn't win a game because he was focused on the Lions. Uh, do you think the players uh, maybe then have had a bit behind this move or not? Oh look, I, I'm sure they've had some some input, um, but more around obviously um, you know their success under under Clayton and and, uh, and you know he obviously has uh, you know the Chiefs uh, they talk about Chiefs manner a lot uh, you know it's a, it's a big part of their uh, of that club and and obviously um, you know Clayton's helped help drive that and and has a has a massive influence in it and uh, and I think it's yeah I think that's just it's just a culmination of everything you know they they had um, Clayton in a, in a caretaker's role. Um, and they knew, always knew that Gaddy was was coming back. So they've, uh, like I think, they, as I said to me, I think they've just sat down and gone, how how do we make this work for everyone? And I'm sure they've had input from 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 all quarters, uh, including the you know the senior players. Without a doubt, would have had would have had some sort of uh, input. I'm not sure how much influence they would have had, but they certainly would have had some input uh, in, into that process. And uh, and as I say, as a as a as a Chiefs fan sitting on the sidelines, oh, I I just couldn't think of a uh, of a better outcome. 
Obviously, when the Chiefs uh, let him go for that year, they knew in advance that he was probably going to go to the Lions. And I can see the players' point of view too, Pod, because, you know, for the Chiefs, for many of the Chiefs, it's the highest level of rugby they're going to play. It's the pinnacle for them. And to see, uh, you know, maybe your head coach is, a, is having a higher priority when you're battling in particular. Can't have been, it can't have been an easy sort of fit for some of them. No, that's right. I look at human nature too, is it's really when, when, when things aren't going well, you always go looking for a, uh, I guess a scapegoat or, a, or 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 a reason, you know. You you, you and and uh, and maybe that yeah that that might have been a bit a bit of resentment uh, um, in in the background um, in terms of uh, Gatlin's focus. But but look, yeah, um, uh, you know he he brings. I mean, Warren's obviously got a ton of experience, and 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 I think the mm-hmm. exciting thing for that Chiefs environment it's 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 all foreign experience, so it's all offshore experience. So. So he, you know he's going to bring a whole lot of new ideas back into that Chiefs environment, uh, and 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 now for again for that greater Chiefs club um, across that whole franchise area, um, you know he, he's going to have that influence right across the board. And you know I think when, when the, the sound sound bites that I heard yesterday um, from him were, were were quite exciting. You know he talked about you know going right down to to junior levels in terms of talent ID and, and, and development, and that can only be good ultimately for, for the Chiefs club at, at super rugby level. So this is a bit of a first for New Zealand rugby to have a director of rugby hands-on as such. Um, it's played out in Europe before. I think the Springboks are using it a wee mm. bit with Russi Erasmus. And I, I just, uh, I mean, it's an experimental thing, so I, I guess we won't know if it works or whether it becomes too claustrophobic for some some coaches until we've tried it. Yeah, that's right. And and again, um, you know that that, that you know, Warren's been in that in, in European environment for for a long time, and 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 there's no doubt that uh, that they've you know they've sat down with him, and and, and he's had a, had a fair amount of input and influence into into ultimately this outcome. And uh, and yeah, experimental for New Zealand, but certainly not not offshore. And and uh, and again, you know, I just come back to that. that they. they I think for the Chiefs, they just couldn't walk away from from um, Warren's experience. And and again, when when you've got a guy as talented and as promising uh, coaching wise as Clayton McMillan, it's it's just the ideal scenario for them. So you know, Cl- Clayton can do do his thing, um, and and when he needs to, he can he can feed off um, you know Gatlin's experience. So uh, so uh, look, I, as I say, I just think it's uh, it's a perfect scenario. 9-12 here on SENZ, talking to former All Black and inaugural uh, Chiefs captain to uh, Richard Turner, um, lovingly known as Pod. Pod, let's move on to the All Blacks now. Uh, and in particular, can we take a look at um, the tactics of the Springboks? Um, not surprising to many, but uh, is it surprising to you that even in attacking situations, they maintain this theory? <laughs> Yeah, oh, look, I, yeah, and I obviously like like like, like most listening in, somebody sat there and watched that game, and and I think that um, you know as soon as the, the, the you know the, the, the try they scored off the George Bridge drop, that that was just probably the catalyst for them to to think, okay, we've you know we we had a plan coming into this, and very early in the game it's worked for them, and 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 then they became hell bent on on that being uh, being you know the, the winning of the game for them, and. But certainly, yeah. I mean, it's not not often you watch a game where where a side will go through two or three phases, get get you know inside uh, inside a team's red zone, and then and then pop, pop the ball up inside the twenty-two, looking for um, the opposition to make a mistake. So yeah, c- certainly interesting tactics. But it, you know, it, as much as it, it wasn't a great spectacle, it certainly created a, a, a great contest. And uh, 
And, you know, when you're at test level, um, you know, that, as a fan, I'm sitting there going, what I enjoyed was, uh, was, was the, the contest. I didn't enjoy the spectacle, though. OK, let's look at uh, the loose forward area uh, pod. Um, are we in a situation where we've got a lot of luxuries and, and trying to fit a certain amount of players into a, a limited amount of spots, or are we still searching in your regard? Oh no, I think I think yeah, very much that. I, I've been I've been massively impressed with Ethan, Ethan Blackadder um, when when uh, when he became a late replacement in the seven jersey. I, I you know I, I think I I, will, I thought um, go, you know going into the match I thought okay that'll be interesting. It might be uh, somewhat of an advantage to the to the South Africans and and um, you know certainly around the breakdowns. But man, he he is such an impressive player. And I guess again you look at the way that the you know the South Africans. Played that game not only their tactical kicking, but but also their tactic around trying to just slow that match down. Every time there's a breakdown, there seems to be an injured player down, and and I think that that you know that kind I guess the the, the influence of having Ethan Black out in the sevens jersey wasn't able to you know potentially be exposed by the South South Africans through their own doing because they slowed the game down. But man, he's a he's a he's a, such a such a, a good footballer and. Has a massive future, and you know, to see him perform in, in the sevens jersey, I, I, you know, I thought for, for me he was one of the, you know, for me he was my player, of the, player of the match outside of obviously Geordie winning the game for us with uh, with that with that penalty. But um, but yeah, coming back to your point, Smithy, I think it's just, we're just building, um, you know, really good depth, and you think you know, with, without our skipper, um, who's who's back here trudging the sidelines in in, in our national provincial championship, um, yeah, the loose forward riches are, are looking pretty good at the moment. What what do you think's lit the fuse for Akira Ioane? <laughs> oh look, I, I think it just just the environment and and um, you know you, you get into that 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 AB's environment and 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 it, and it is different and, and all of a sudden you know it's it, you know yeah I, I know it, you know he's probably um, you know he's he's been in the environment for a while but I, I think he's probably not you know he's not a, a senior member in that environment so he probably. Is uh, you know takes a bit more of a backseat and does a lot more listening than than actually uh, than actually having having input. And I think that the fact that he sits back and, and does more listening at, at, and and uh, in that environment has, has been good for his game. Um, you know, and and there's all, never been a doubt about his talent. It's been um, yeah, quite quite literally you know trying to find how you light his fuse. And and obviously um, you know that current. Current crop of uh, you know, so I think it, it's it's not only that I was going to say the current crop of coaches, but also I think that you know that senior management and that and that current All Black environment has has uh, has had a massive influence on how he's performing out on the field. So obviously at the moment, Artie has to fit in the mix at some point because he's of course captain. Uh, no Sam Whitelock, no Sam Kane, no Aaron Smith. So he's uh, he's the captain uh, designate at the moment. So where do, where did you think he fits in? And, and I look at a guy like Luke, Luke Jacobson, and I I know you, and I think Luke Jacobson and, and Richard Turner uh, would probably get on pretty well with styles of play. Yeah, he's probably a bit fitter than I ever was, um, Smithy. But but yeah, look, I I, I, do, I do, do I'm a big fan of Luke Jacobson. Um, you know, he he's he's uh, you know he's a classic number eight in terms of you know he's he's, he's uncompromising. He's tough. He carries well. Uh, defensively, he's he's uh, he's more than solid, uh, and and then okay, so you look at that and go, uh, you know, is he the is he the All Black number eight for me? Yes, he is, and therefore, um, where does our skipper go? Um, he goes he goes on the side. He, I think his his most influential Artie at in the seven jersey, 
Um, you know, his ability to, to be effective at the breakdown in the seven jersey is greater than if he's in the eight jersey. Um, and then and then it comes back to you know the conversation we were having before about um, about we you know the, the, we we've got so many talented footballers where do they all fit in and then it, it becomes who goes into that six jersey you've got a Kiriwani who's in in a rich vein of form and and as I said I think for me that the, you know the star so far on 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 this uh, in this tournament is uh, for me has been Ethan Blackadder so we've got to find space for him mm-hmm. so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, you know, they're great problems to have, though, aren't they? You know, I just want to get back to um, just for one second the Springboks tactics. All well and good, they say it's in their DNA, you know, and rah rah, you know, it, it seems to work from time to time. But hold it, just can I just hold the phone here a second? They're staring down the barrel of four <laughs> losses in a row as world champions. Is it working? Uh, well, no, clearly not results-wise. Um, and and look, I. I you know, they obviously were buoyed by the fact they got close, but but at the end of the day, reality is they didn't win. Um, we were poor, as well. Uh, we made uh, you know it was a it was an uncharacteristic performance from the All Blacks, and you know I, I think my immediate thought, Smithy, was uh, at, at the end of that game, at the end of that test, was that um, next week we'll put 20 points on them. You know, I think I think initially, a lot, I think uh, you know we we you know we we had a lot of talented footballers out there. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. But we didn't have a, a, you know, there were a lot of players with not a huge amount of experience. And I think, um, you know, part of me was sitting there going, I think some of the younger guys with less experience might have made too too much out of um, that 100th test match. Um, you know, a lot of hype leading up to the game around that being the 100th test match between these two great rugby nations. And I, and I think potentially some of our younger guys might have bought into that. And as I say, but just just may, you know, just a, probably a little bit more than they. Than they needed to, um, and that affected their performance. We were, we were, you know, we were below average for an All Black performance, and they still didn't win. So, you know, the question was, is it successful? No, oh, I've got to say no. But, you know, I watched, uh, I watched the two Aussie South African games, and and they, they, you know, they had two. They, they went out there for game one. They had the kicking tactic didn't work for them, so they switched to try and move the ball more. And in game two, didn't work for them. Um, and then they come up against the old foe, and and yeah, they oh, and I don't agree that it's. I know they use the phrase that it's in their DNA. I don't believe it. You know, like you, Smithy, I've been watching um, South African Test matches for for a fair while now, and um, yeah, you know, they, the kicking game's always been a big part of the game, but certainly not that not that tactic. And and I, and, I, and I don't believe it's in their DNA because they've had too many talented um, three quarters, and and um, you know, uh, to, to uh, players to be. To, to say that's in our DNA because if it was in our DNA, you know, we wouldn't have seen many of the, the stars of South African rugby. So I don't believe that. I just think it's a tactic that they think, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I guess suits the, what they've got in their environment at the moment. But is it successful? Uh, no, obviously it's not. And it'll be interesting to see what their approach to, is, is to this weekend. You know, do they go, well, we came close with that. So maybe um, if we can get it a little bit better and, and improve on a couple of other things, we have a chance to beat the All Blacks. Or they just look at it and, 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 and you know, with, with the reality glasses on Smithy and go, the All Blacks were poor and we still couldn't beat them. So maybe that's not a good tactic. We need to come up with something else. Uh, Pot, always great to catch up with you, mate. It's been too long. So uh, thank you for your time this morning. Um, it's much appreciated with those thoughts, particularly on the Chiefs and that loose forward area for the All Blacks. Go well, mate. I hope uh, you get out of level three shortly up your way, and um, <laughs> yeah. houses can be built. Houses can be built all over the place. Precisely. Look forward to seeing you in the bay soon, Smithy.
Yeah, you're on to it, mate. The Bay, we've still got it. Thank you. Thanks, Pod. Uh, 921 here on SENZ. Your text, please, um, on a number of issues. What about the, the league guys? What should happen to them as far as you're concerned? Um, you know, phones phones are loaded guns, as uh, Mark Geyer said. Uh, isn't, wasn't that uh, such a pertinent thing? These phones are loaded guns. Uh, what are your, uh, your thoughts on that as well? Uh, man, uh, interesting. We've got Paul Fotuera coming up uh, very shortly. Uh, former New Zealand League, great. What a story his is. So looking forward to talking to him after 9.30. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Double eight double three is our text number, folks. 0800 150811. Uh, what would your loose forward trio be? Going into this weekend, the Springboks have named their lineup. What would you have as the loose forward trio? Bearing in mind the form of Blackadder, as Richard Turner has said, they've got to find room for him. Would you? Uh, in your loose forward trio, double eight, double three. Give us that. Uh, Brian says the All Blacks were only poor last week because the box closed them down with awesome defence. Well, yeah, I guess that's it. Pressure on the high kicks is, is fairly standard, isn't it? So they were, they were poor. George Bridge made that early mistake and. Uh, you know, that levelled proceedings. So that was a genuine mistake. I'm not quite sure. Uh, he got himself into an awkward situation. It was an interesting box kick because it's such an attacking one. Uh, and, and that was, I think, what, what surprised the All Blacks to have to defend box kicks so close to their line. But they won't be surprised this time around. So your loose forward trio. Um, news, uh, John, you've just got, got some news coming through on one of our great foes, one of the great guys we love to hate, Inzamam al Haq from Pakistan. Yeah, um, uh, hospitalised Smithy um, in Zimam Al-Haq with a heart attack, but he has gone through surgery and it sounds like he is on the mend. But um, of course we all know him well and you had the best view in the house, well probably the worst view in the house, Smithy, in that 92 World Cup. Had it under control until he came out. I I thought we were destined to to win that game and then all of a sudden out uh, strode this massive figure of this young kid. Uh, who we didn't know a hell of a lot about, but we knew about an hour and a half later how devastating he could be, and turned the game around and uh, worked. And uh, he worked in combination with uh, Javed Mandad, one of the great players of spin bowling, and um, also one of the brightest or cleverest batsmen I've ever seen at the crease. Uh, and as long as they were together, we were at history. We got rid of Vinzamar Mohak, but we couldn't get rid of, uh, we could not get rid of Javed Mandad, and I think that was the story of that uh, World Cup run chase for Pakistan. Of course, they went on to win it, and Imran Khan claimed it as his World Cup. Uh, so that was cool. Um, you know, it was good, but I, I wish him all the best in, in Zaman. I think not too long ago, he might have gone down with COVID as well. So uh, whether that's a ramification of that, I don't know. But a uh, big man, um, but uh, enjoyed the good things in life, but a hell of a player, hell of a natural player. So, yeah, interesting. Another text has come through. Come through uh, hi, Smithy, if there wasn't anything... Two white substance, uh, a drug test straight away would have been a no-brainer for me. I throw the book at these buffheads. Um, <laughs> someone's come in and said, don't mention 92, it's still too fresh. Get well soon, Inzi. 92, that's <laughs> nearly 30 years ago. Goodness me, nearly 30, 30 years ago that Inzamar Mulhuk ripped our ration card in half. Uh, it's 9.30 here on SENZ. <laughs> Well, we know it's NRL Grand Final week as the Panthers take on the Rabbitohs on Sunday night. While here in New Zealand, we should also be aware that it's also Mental Health Awareness Week. 
and a man who has an incredible story to tell about both of these subjects is former Kiwi Rugby League star Paul Fotuera. Uh, this is uh, from Paul's website, internalstrength.newzealand. I quote, A two-time NRL Premiership winner and star international rugby league player, Paul suffered two psychotic episodes and was heavily med- medicated over a five-year period. With his life derailed by psychosis, depression, anxiety and addiction, doctors advised Paul that he was destined for a lifetime on medication. Paul spent years of his life looking inwards for an answer to the mental struggles he endured each day. Through a lot of introspection and learning, Paul cultivated the techniques and tools that woke him to the realisation that we all have freedom of choice in our lives. And once once, uh, we understand how to do this on a daily basis, we have the power to control our lives and our mindset. Very powerful stuff. And it's my pleasure now to welcome Paul Fotuera into the show. Uh, we'll talk about your grand final experiences soon, Paul, but tell us a wee bit about the, the internal strength and your m- mental health journey you've, uh, you've had to build. Oh, firstly, thank you, Ian, for inviting me onto your awesome show. I'm very appreciated, and, and thank you for, yeah, for this opportunity. And as you know, Ian, it is an important week with New Zealand Mental Health Awareness Week. And we've all, I'll just cut it short and sweet because you, you spoke really awesome there, Ian. We all have got a story. It's just important that we, we share and understand that there is a way out from the darkness into the light. And there's no shortcuts uh, to hard work. I know you've been a, uh, in your time in professional credit, crickets. You understand it takes hard work and dedication. And we've got to implement that into our wellbeing our life as well. And just finding that balance. Yeah, so yeah, now very grateful to deliver internal strength, which is a positive mindset workshop, and deliver it across Aotearoa, New Zealand. So yeah, very grateful to turn my dark days now into my passion. So, so how do, Paul can can you explain to us how you go about that? Then how how you go about to explaining it and and how you you pass that message on? Just by being vulnerable and. We have all suffered some sort of trauma in our lives. Uh, nobody's perfect, uh, but I think when you come to the realisation that we need each other and we can't isolate ourselves, Ian, because when we isolate ourselves, loneliness becomes toxic. And we really, I know everyone's struggling at the moment with, with lockdown and uh, the way our world has change, changed, but we really can only take one day at a time. Uh, one day at a time, and it's a universal law. We have to really be appreciative and grateful for the things that we do have uh, more so than we do not. So I like to take my life one day at a time. And and my new passion now was used to be a uh, as a professional athlete. So through my through my humble uh, journey through mental health and well-being, I've I've now turned into my my passion. And uh, there is a lot of way. There is a there is help out there, whānau, friends, family. So if you are struggling, uh, please uh, let somebody know because we are human and what I do know is we need each other. Paul, and during your playing days in, uh, in particular, they don't, they're not really that, that long ago, but I guess it wasn't the done thing to ask for help if you were battling, particularly in a, in a tough game supposedly from the outside like rugby league. You're, you're, you're sort of perceived as, as guys that just got on with the job and, and said nothing, but um, that's wrong, isn't it? And that's wrong. It is, Ian, and slowly uh, the game is changing. Uh, but, you know, I must uh, uh, mention the NRL uh, have, have 
education and wellbeing managers at each team, and they have invested a large amount of money into investing our athletes of today in education, self-development, but also looking after their their wellbeing. Not everyone's going to follow that platform. As you're aware, Ian, there has been some drama with the game, especially the last couple of days. Uh, after the season activities that uh, athletes get up to. Uh, but take, take it back uh, 10, 15 years ago when it was my day, there was no education, there was no self-development, there was nobody looking after your well-being. They were more p- focused on your performances on the field. So it's great to see the game is changing, but there are obviously still issues within our game today. You retired at a really early age, uh, the age of 29. You're playing great league. Uh, you'd already achieved a lot in the game. Uh, did you have a plan? Did you have a plan when you when you retired so early to move on to Paul? That's a great question, Ian. Uh, to be to be uh, honest, no, I did not. I thought I could play rugby league forever. I was that typical uh, young athlete who thought that I was invincible, <laughs> and and rugby league would serve me for for a long time. I, I was wrong. And I suffered the consequences. I retired in 2011, not through injury, but I was suffering from uh, mental health issues, which you explained earlier, Ian. Uh, so when I retired, I had no education. I had no, I had no other passion. Uh, I had to learn the hard way. So that was a bit of a journey, but we found our way. And through through a bit of hardship and understanding how I've got to, I've got to put my mind back into the books and. Uh, rediscover myself, which was a six to seven year journey. I was able to find myself again, but unfortunately, I had former teammates who are of similar age or older who are still struggling to find their self worth and identity uh, within uh, our daily lives of today. And it is a, a big issue uh, with athletes, not just in rugby league, but in all aspects of professional sport. And I'm, I know you're aware of this. Uh, mm our athletes of today need to really focus on a plan B because you can't play sport forever, well, unfortunately. Talk... No, you, you can't, Paul. Uh, Lee, can we just focus on um, some of the good times you had, though? Um, one of the reasons we we, uh, we, we got you on as well yesterday was that one of your former teammates, Scott Sattler, spoke glowingly of you and your commitment um, about your boxing skills. Um, can you... Can you tell us a, a wee bit about your memories of winning that uh, that first that first premiership back in uh, two thousand and three? Oh yeah, it was a it was a great time. And uh, don't get me wrong, I love rugby league and and I enjoyed my time as a professional athlete and and was able to achieve some pretty pretty big success in the game in two thousand and three. I just cut it back uh, two years uh, earlier. Ian, I had been cut by the Warriors and the Melbourne Storm, so I had no, no club at the age of 20. I had two choices, uh, go back to play for my home team, Mwani Omata, or tough it out and play in the Queensland Cup with the Brisbane North Devils. And fortunately, I stuck it out, and Shane Richardson was the CEO at the time and offered me an opportunity at the Premier of Panthers in 2003. Uh, so I went from part footy to playing a year later in the grand final. So just quickly how... Things can change if you just stick it out. Uh, that week in particular, playing alongside Scotty Settler, the whole year was uh, a journey. And when you are winning consistently, it becomes a habit, Ian. 
and that's what we did that year and through winning consistently it's we we had self-belief and i remember that week uh, playing against the roosters we that week you've got the whole town uh, that has an eye on you the, the whole world's watching you that week we we just kept it as normal as possible because it is a big game but we we, we had to stay, remain calm and and believe in ourselves and and we did that and we we stuck to our strengths and and it worked out that we were good enough to beat the roosters at that time who were favorites to to win they had the great Brad Fittler playing and and Jason Kalis and and Craig Wing but we 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 believed in ourselves and we were able to take up the victory Paul uh can you believe it 16 years later and Benji Marshall your old your old Tigers teammate still going uh, and on the big stage again this weekend I'm very proud of Benji. He's stuck it out. He's had his trials and tribulations, but he has not listened to the outer world. And he's, he, I, I think, I believe he, he is where he is at right now because he really has a true passion for the game. He's 36 years old and he's still making a statement. He may not be as quick as what he used to be, but he's actually more calmer and he is leading by example on and off the field. I couldn't be more proud of, of my brother, Benji. Um, this, I'm, I'm not a South supporter, but if they win, I'll be very uh, proud of, of Benji and his achievements in the game of rugby league. But not only that, too, he he has uh, he's been a, a real leader uh, over there in Australia uh, for our people, and and, and I know he's he's definitely uh, deserved the, the credit and the, and the money that he possesses uh, at, at age of 36. How do you think the game will go Sunday night, uh, Paul? What are you, what's your prediction? My prediction is it's going to be a tough game. I know the Panthers had a had a really tough game against the Storm, so hopefully they can recover uh, this week. But if you can't get up for a grand final, then you don't deserve to win. So I think it's going to be a really good game. South will be very confident in taking out the victory. Obviously, they, they beat them in the first semi-finals, But I believe the team that can remain calm and just go through the processes of what they normally do will take out the victory my money's on the Panthers uh, but I I wouldn't mind or South's win because I want my best friend uh, Benji to do really well and he deserves it, he deserves to be a two time premiership winner Paul just, just finally tomorrow night I, I believe New Zealand Rugby League has set up a mental awareness health talk hosted by Jerry Siosu, can you, can you tell us a wee bit about that please I can. Yes, yeah, so Jerry, uh, David Solomona, uh, myself, and, and a couple of other former rugby league players, we are we're having a talk about mental health and well-being, uh, just some tips to, to remain healthy and well, how we can support our athletes of today, but also to answer questions uh, from the community uh, if, uh, if they need any, any guidance and, and help, uh, anything to do with, with health and well-being. So I'm really excited about it. It's 6.30, I believe, on, on Facebook Live. Yeah, so it will be really some really important discussions tomorrow night. Paul, uh, I hope that goes well. I hope you get a massive audience. You deserve it. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. Your story is a great one. It really is. Um, through through thick and thin, um, I, I love what you're saying and, and um, how you're going about it from uh, at this stage in your life. So congratulations on your journey so far. And, and may it be a, a peaceful and... Uh, and prosperous one from here on in. Thanks for your time this morning. It's 9.44 here on SENZ.
Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Ioane on the bench this week. For me, says one texter. Ethan Blackadder at six. Artie at seven. Jacobson at eight. What is your combination? Double eight, double three. Your loose forward trio. The team name, of course, will be tomorrow. The Springboks have uh, come up with their combination. A couple of enforced changes, but don't expect too much difference uh, from them. Zane has come in. Loved uh, Zane's correspondence. Apparently, they can't text the NRL players for drugs out of season. Something to do with the player contracts. That seems insane, as that could open them up to the risk of players using drugs to recover from injuries. Yes, there is that. Zane, they're looking at a policy about uh, taking hair follicles away from the players. And what that does is uh, apparently, uh, if it comes to urine tests, uh, things like cocaine stay in your system between one and four days, depending on the level uh, that you've used. Uh, But follicle testing, uh, it can trace uh, for as long as up to three to four months. So that might well be detracting, but whether they're allowed to do that, uh, whether their players' association uh, will permit them to do that, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be a part of contracts going forward, but certainly something uh, to look forward to as a deterrent. Uh, as a deterrent, uh, the issue is, is obviously usage in the first place. No, of course, it is. Uh, the second part is surrounding yourself with people who you thought you could trust, who are going to reveal it to the world. Uh, and we've seen a history of that, haven't we, with uh, what they've done. And league is particularly vulnerable to it because it seems that the people hanging around are not worthy of trust. Uh, they're not worthy of your respect uh, and they're dangerous people to have in the mix. They invite you around, set you up, and then literally set you up. Ugly stuff. Uh, it's 9.51 here on SENZ. Uh, more opinion on that throughout the morning, uh, as well as other things. We've got some interesting things to talk about going forward with uh, Greg Murphy. Uh, some great panel subjects this morning. Erin Routliff looking very much talking to her about her surge up the, the, the doubles rankings in world tennis. Very exciting time. She's uh, a good guest. So uh, that's uh, coming up here on SEN throughout the morning. Uh, SCNZ and, and predominantly, of course, though, uh, before 10 o'clock, we always have a multi. And it's another tale of I'm hacked off, uh, but another tale of optimism somewhere along the line. And the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when the holder, know when the folder, Smithy's multi, know when the walk away, and know when the run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philly Eagles yesterday at a buck fifty. Queens Park Rangers beat Birmingham City overnight at two bucks. Um, but the Colorado Rockies uh, couldn't get up to beat the Washington Nationals. They were down at one point four nil. They rallied to four three. Couldn't get the equaling run or go ahead. So uh, that was a failure. So tomorrow, uh, I've had enough. I've had enough. Uh, John, I'm passing the baton. Midweek <laughs> passing you the baton. See how go. See how good you go. Oh, see how good really? you go. Mix them up and see how you go. It's a lot oh, easier when you do it, Smitty. <laughs> I know it's a lot easier because you can blame me. But yes. here's the thing, John. How about taking some responsibility? Okay. Just have a crack for once. God, you, on, you sound like my on. dad, Smithy. Take some responsibility, John. All right, I will. Smithy, you're multi for today on behalf of Smithy. I'm going football, which I know nothing about. Manchester United seem pretty good, again. Um, I'm just going on Ronaldo being back. So they're going to beat Villarreal, paying $1.45. I'm going to stick with football. I'm going to go with Barnsley. Kind of sounds like Burnley, where Chris Wood plays. So I like that. Uh, And they will beat Nottingham Forest. 
uh, paying $2.37, I think, is a good price for Barnsley. And then tennis. I like my old school tennis players. He was once part of the great uh, big four, Andy Murray, to beat Kay Nishikori. He is the outsider, but I like Andy. Uh, $2.17, so a return smithy of $7.46. What do you think of that one? Oh, that's gutsy, John. And, and the fact that you've delved into something you know absolutely nothing about. Barnsley is uh, from uh, the Yorkshire area, by the way. Barnsley. Right, good to I know. Think Barnsley. Barnsley is uh, one of um, Michael Vaughan, former England captain. He was around the Barnsley area. He likes them. So to beat Nottingham Forest, uh, the traditional old Nottingham uh, sides, not Notts County, Notts Forest. This is the old, uh, the younger of the two sides. Uh, play right next to Trent Bridge, the cricket ground. Walk past that ground on a number of occasions. We're a great side, Nottingham Forest. Uh, not so great these days. So I like that. Uh, and Man U. I mean, who else? Man U to beat Villarreal, I don't think. Uh, so that's a good one. And Andy Murray, I, I like Andy Murray, actually, so I'm with you on this, multi. So uh, whilst I didn't make it up, and you, uh, you're you claiming this one, and therefore if you claim it, if it goes wrong, you get the blame, $7.46. Blackadder at 6, Papaliti at 7, Jacobson at 8, says Jeremy. Uh, morning, uh, Ian, says Brian. Uh, Dalton Papaliti at 7, Akira Yawani at 6, and Artie at, uh, at 8. Strong against Australia, still have Ethan Blackadder on the bench. Uh, and Charlie says, let's hit them. Starting loose forward trio for me would be Luke at eight, Severe at six, Blackadder at seven. Hammer the box for 60 minutes, 60 minutes. then bring on Hoskins, Satutu, Akira Ioane and Dalton Popolighi to run them into the ground. 34-17, game over. Charlie put it so perfectly there. Not sure we can fit all three into the reserve fence, but wouldn't it be nice if we could have that luxury? Greg Murphy, we've got that luxury. Greg Murphy, part of our SNZ team after 10 o'clock. Here's Trudy with the news. Uh, you must have some serious highs and serious lows in your game. How do you cope with that? Completely. Uh, it's, it is something that, that uh, is attributed to everyone, um, no matter what you do. What's, if we, you know, we focus on sport here, absolutely. Sports, um, professional sport, you know, and I, mate, I, I went through the same things and you know, bottled stuff up and should have been talking and, and um, uh, through periods in your in your career where it's not going to plan, you know, it's not going well. And you, you know the you know that um, when you have a, a streak of, of stuff that's not working out, you know, things can fall apart very, very quickly uh, with relationships with teams and sponsors. And no one likes to be the one to be blamed either, right? So, you know, in a situation where you've got a piece of mechanical you know, sort of engineering and a, and a driver and you've got all, all the other pieces of the puzzle with teams and all that kind of stuff, you know, to have it going well and being successful, all that stuff's got to be aligned. And when it's not aligned, you can go through some pretty challenging times and, and every driver that I know has been through it and, and you start to question all sorts of stuff. You question, you know, your ability, you question, you know, things that you're doing, should I be doing stuff different? And, um, mate, I, I've got multiple periods of my career and right up to the end where, you know, you're challenging yourself, you're being challenged and, and um, you know, the media doesn't help and, and um, you know, all these things sort of uh, circle around you. So it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge and it does need to be talked about because sports, even though it looks like it's glamorous and it looks like, you're, you know, you're doing the thing you love and all this kind of stuff, there's, there's parts to it that it's your career, it's your life as well and, and you know, if you haven't got it, um, often there's, there's not a plan B. So it's, uh, it's huge massive. 
Yeah, I, I imagine it is, and it's a, as you say, it's something uh, it just triggered me this morning talking to a Paul Fodawera yep. about um, his his plight with it, uh, and it just, I mean, you, you guys, you go, it's such a, it seems to be such a, an inclusive and big and exciting world as you say, but mm. there are times when I would imagine you could not find a more lonely place uh, than behind the wheel of a motor car travelling at a huge amount of speed. Yeah, and and because. You know, personally, um, you know, I'm sure you agree, and everyone, anyone that um, does, you know, go out there and put their bodies or whatever on the line and whatever um, chosen, you know, sport or what they they try to be, uh, try to make a career out of. You know, you you know, there's there's moments where where you know the that thrill and that buzz and all that kind of stuff it's gone. You know, for for many reasons, and and the challenge of trying to work through that is is enormous, and and having good support around you and good people and and um, you know, good networks is, is, is such a critical phase, and being open. And I can tell you, I didn't I didn't manage and deal with that stuff through the heyday of my you know career very well. The highs and the lows, and and the people that you love the most, the ones that probably get the you know the brunt or the most of the you know the the reaction to the bad days. And um, it, it's incredibly uh, it's a minefield. It really is. It's a it's a really big minefield. And and some sports, you know, fortunately for me. You know, I managed to have a pretty decent length of time, you know, in the game um, at a at a pretty reasonable level, and you know, it, it went right through. I you know finished full time professional when I was you know 40 years old, which was still young, but I'd been doing it since my early 20s, kind of thing. So I'd had a pretty good run at it. Whereas these other guys that um, you know get into the game and for whatever reasons they're, they're you know they're run at trying to be um, the next champion. You know, it's cut short for all sorts of reasons very early, and it's and when you put everything into it, and and that's where you see your future, and all of a sudden it's not there anymore. Man, the the, the mental side of things there is is just is really tough, and I've seen so many young guys and, and drivers deal with um, you know this stuff throughout the, the their their careers, long and short, and um, mm-hmm. it's going to be something that's just going to continue on. Um, we put so much pressure and and focus, you know, on professional sport, and it's become a you know, I know motorsport and the amount of families that have, you know, committed to supporting their kids to become racing car drivers and how much that's changed in the last sort of 15-odd years and how much of a focus the sport has now got, you know, because of the success of a few, um, you know, that have, have done so incredibly well when you look at the Scott Dixons of the world, you know, uh, doing what he's done and, and, and now, you know, the McLaughlins and the Van Gisbergens and, and a whole bunch of these guys that are doing incredibly well. It's still a very small percentage, but there's a there's a large amount of people that want to want to want to be part of that and want to you know um, have a go at it, and and only a very small percentage make it as well, and that's that's something that's I, I find very interesting and, and watch pretty closely. Murph, um, thanks for those thoughts. Uh, it was just a question that just came to mind actually. So uh, it's great that you could yeah, give us a, a little bit of insight there, um, mate. On the good news side of things, uh, SENZ here are going to get involved in. Uh, a nice concept uh, this weekend yeah. uh, when the South Island Endurance Series gets underway in Cromwell, and you've instigated this. Tell us a wee bit about it. Yeah, I was, well, I was, uh, I was having a bit of a chat uh, with um, Josie Spillane, who's the CEO down at Highlands, and, and the first round of the South Island Endurance Championships on this weekend has been delayed. Um, obviously, we all know why things have been delayed at the moment, and so it's been pushed back, and, and because of still Level 3 in Auckland, you know, the... the 
the Sky broadcast team aren't able to get out of Auckland, and it was going to be live on on Sky Sports, and that that's not able to happen now. And uh, they were wanting they were wanting to give you know some sort of broadcast to the public, and uh, still restrictions down there on crowd and all that kind of thing. And you know we've got a pretty big fraternity that, that's interested in this type of racing. So um, yeah, fortunately uh, the team at SEN did have come to the party, and and uh, my good mate Greg Rust is going to commentate down there and. And put it on the on the radio, well, on the app. So we're going to have a specific um, uh, uh, little station set up on the app. So you download the app, obviously, and and you'll be able to uh, just listen to the commentary for the weekend down there at uh, Highlands of the the one hour races and the and the three hour race on on Saturday. So yeah, great for motorsport fans that um, you know might want to have a bit of a listen in and see what's going on. Yep, nine a.m. actually to four thirty p.m. on the SENZ app, folks. So. Uh, look for uh, motor racing fans, a little bonus for you there when you thought you perhaps would get nothing but reports on it. You can actually stay up to date with us, uh, with Greg Russ. Uh, look, let's uh, delve a little bit uh, into uh, IndyCars, shall we? Uh, it's finished, um, yeah. and as predicted, Alex Palau went on to win the title uh, for the, the Chip Canassi team. Uh, Scott Dixon, where does that leave him? Um, the R word is, uh, is, a, is a word that's often used, uh, perhaps too early in sport, the retirement word, a word, but I wouldn't imagine that it's on his agenda at the moment. He wouldn't finish on a, a low level, would he? Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, for him, finishing fourth in the championship, and he was on the podium uh, convincingly on the weekend, you know, finishing third uh, behind um, Colton Herter, and Joseph Newgarden, um, just again showing how strong and how good he is around the place. So no, I don't think the R word. Listen, I'm sure people are starting to ask him a little bit about it, which will probably be incredibly annoying. But um, I think next year will be really interesting because he's probably seen uh, this year unravel in front of him in a little bit of a different way. Um, they keep referencing the fact that Alex Pillow is the first guy to basically take it to to Scott Dixon as a teammate since Dario Franchitti, you know, and that was, what was that, well over 10 years ago. So, um, you know, that's that's probably, you know, a little, little fire under under Scott to actually do a bit more to see what he can produce. And I would say, you know, he'll start to evaluate from here on. Um, you know, you know, if there's anyone that, that's had a career that um, you can be proud of, it's Scott Dixon. So, you know, he, he's got nothing to prove. He doesn't, um, uh, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of other projects he can do if he wanted to, but... I, I think he's still got the drive, clearly he's still got the drive to want to be at the front of the field and, and probably this year may have um, just, uh, you know, got that cranked up a little bit more. So um, next year will be, will be very interesting to see how that works. I mean, but it's, it's awesome at the moment to see these young guys, you know, we've spoken about it over the last few weeks, the, you know, the talent that is coming through in IndyCar, um, you know, holds it in, 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 you know, such good stead for the future um, because it's just going to continue to get, um, you know, more and more, uh, tough to, to win a race in IndyCar and, and there's more young guys that are still coming through. So, you know, uh, someone like Scott, um, who, you know, so many drivers look up to, um, you know, I, I don't I don't see him sort of relenting in any way in the next in the short term anyway. OK, let's go to the other Scott. And uh, he wrapped up Rookie of the Year, as we uh, predicted it, that he would do uh, about seven days ago. He sits in a, a yep. team, Team Penske, which has got a, a, some amazing drivers, some real strength there. Uh, where would he sit then going into the pecking order for next year? Does he have to bide his time again? Um, oh, he's, listen, I, I think they will come out of uh, the season, uh, being that he, he secured that Rookie of the Year thing, which is a huge achievement, really. I mean, um, you know, for, for someone that's not a single-seater 
uh, prepared driver. You know, he hasn't grown up and spent all his life like Alex Pelot has and, and, and Roman Grosjean and all these other guys driving single-seaters. To go in for his first season and compete that, I think we really got to put reference to how, how much of a tall order that was and how much of a success it has been. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot for him to to look at and prepare for, for 2022. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he wants to, to fill the time between now and the start of the season with looking at some other bits and pieces, and he probably wants to do a bit of sports car racing as well. Um, so, you know, he's he, Penske love him. Um, he, he is a workaholic. He, he fit, fits the mould there at Penske in there and the way they go about their business so so very, very well. So he's found a great spot. And we, we actually will delve a bit deeper tomorrow night on race control to Smitty because we actually, uh, we've got him on the show. So we're going to have a, oh, a right. bloody good chat to him tomorrow. And, and so I'm looking forward to you know, putting that to air uh, tomorrow night on race control. So make sure if uh, you're a Scott McLaughlin fan or, or motorsport fan, it'll be a, a great, great listen. If did I read somewhere about uh, the uh, supercars getting away or getting a, a better... A, uh, a month or so under lights beginning uh, yep. in October. Did I, did I read that at, at Eastern Creek, Super Sydney Motorsport Park? Yeah, that's right. So they've um, they've managed to um, piece together the remainder of the year, uh, which is going to kick off. Actually, the dates actually do elude me a little. I think it's the last weekend of October is the first one, and the consecutive yep. weeks um, before a, a break of a week and a bit before we they head up to Bathurst. So. Uh, New South Wales government and supercars have, have worked really hard to, to put this together. Obviously, things are changing quite quickly over there with uh, how they're opening up again. And they were very keen to get supercars back in there. So uh, there's going to be uh, four events at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, back to back to back to back. And um, with the configuration of the racetrack there, they've got the ability to do a whole lot of different sort of configurations and night night events as well. So... Um, it's uh, you know that, that everyone's hanging out for that supercar, the teams, the drivers, everyone's hanging out to get going again. And yes, it's not uh, you know what we would normally have as a you know a run to the end of the championship, but at least it's getting racing going again. And I, I think it'll be um, you know they'll put on a, a, a brilliant show uh, in preparation for the, the finale, end of November, beginning of December at Bathurst. As always, Murph, great uh, to talk to you. Catch up this time every. Wednesday morning, uh, the show tomorrow night with Stephen McIver here on SENZ is Race Control, uh, begins at 7 o'clock and uh, Scott McLaughlin, the guest of honour there, that will be fantastic uh, and you'll probably have a catch up on other news, the likes of uh, how Liam Lawson is going as well as well as that yep. uh, great uh, initiative uh, and uh, Murph will, uh, I'm sure, stress that again tomorrow night the, the times and the way to get hold of any information and the commentary on the South Island endurance series uh, Murph as always thanks for your time buddy get on you Smithy thanks mate yeah cheers uh, Greg Murphy absolutely so good that he's part of the SENZ stable on a regular basis uh, we're going to take a, a short break here and then it's panel time uh, and this morning we have got uh, some really cool people on Andrew Gordy uh, he's part of the story I'm sure about Warren Gatland uh, and perhaps losing the dressing room. So Gords might know a wee bit more about that. Dylan Cleaver is across everything, of course, uh, and all subjects. So uh, this panel will be uh, really good. On SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Good morning uh, to Andrew Gordy, part of the panel this morning. Just waiting for Dylan Cleaver to join us as well. Gords, of course, from... News Hub, and uh, News Hub, of course, uh, breaks some great information yesterday 
Uh, they broke the story on uh, the di- directorship or the director of rugby, now Warren Gatlin at the Chiefs, and perhaps uh, uh, it wasn't that, that rosy there, um, particularly in the dressing room, Gords. This is a, an interesting story. Yeah, it sure is, Millie. Morning to you. Um, and, and yeah, I, I mean, so I found this a bit of a head-scratcher when I woke up yesterday morning um, to see this announcement. Um, that, yeah, Warren Gatlin's moved into this director of rugby role and that Clayton McMillan will be continuing on as head coach. And you're sitting there going, well, what's the real story here? And it was, I, I thought it spoke volumes that initially no one from the Chiefs was, uh, was available to speak about this yesterday. But, um, but uh, a rugby reporter, Ollie Ritchie, managed to speak to Michael Collins. And um, I found it fascinating that, that he, he said that it was actually Gatlin's suggestion that perhaps the coaching setup needed a needed a reject. He had perhaps obviously seen uh, the impact that Clayton had managed to have in his absence while he was away with the Lions. And let's face it, Warren Gatlin probably would have been on a hiding to nothing coming back in there, uh, assuming his uh, role as head coach, um, after what Clayton McMillan had done. If, if the results had gone backwards, it would have been such a poor reflection on him as a coach, and probably not, not one necessarily that he deserves. Um, so probably a a savvy move, I suppose, from, from Warren Gatlin to see um, that perhaps the writing's on the wall and what the obvious move to do here is to, um, yeah, come up with some kind of new role which uh, allows him to still be involved, to still have, have some influence within the franchise. But clearly those players have responded to Clayton McMillan and, uh, and he fully deserves to, to remain as head coach. But, yeah, the suggestion is that Essentially, when Warren Gatlin first came into that role, I don't know if it's going quite um, too far to say that he lost the dressing room, but quite clearly the fact that he was going over to um, to spend essentially a year or a season at least with the Lions, um, it would have been it seemed a terrible message from the get go, didn't it? Um, I, I'm still a little surprised that the Chiefs even agreed to that in the first place, but I think now we've probably got the right outcome at the end of the day. Uh, Dylan Cleaver, good morning to you. Um, I, I look at good these day. things and I, I think sometimes you can have too much knowledge, too much uh, power around a, a group of players. And I, I just I, I wonder about a, a slightly claustrophobic attitude uh, with, with Warren Gatlin still there under Clayton McMillan, who, as Gord said, was a, a success story, really. Yeah, you've got to have very, very clearly defined roles in this sort of situation. And, and look, to some extent, I think the rugby world's a long way behind where perhaps US sports is in this regard, where every franchise has a general manager that's in charge of uh, recruitment and the philosophy around recruitment. And I guess that spills into the philosophy of playing and the coach's role is simply to take those players and get the best out of them. So maybe what they're doing here at the Chiefs is no different from that, but there are several examples in history where it's gone um, horribly wrong. And I guess the most uh, high-profile example was when Sir Matt Busby left Manchester United as manager, went, up, went upstairs into a director's role, and it was a disaster for the coach under him because there was this um, underlying tension about who did what. And another great example is when Bill Belichick was hired as head coach of the New York Jets and and very, very quickly realised he couldn't work with another strong personality who was Bill Parcells as his uh, general manager. And so he quit, basically, the day the season started. So so it is it is a more common thing in the professional sporting world, but it has to be managed really, really carefully. And I wonder if Warren 
um, Gatlin is the sort of guy that can suppress his ego to make it work. Mm. Uh, can can I just add to that, uh, before, before we yep. move on, can I just add to that, though? But, like, yeah, I, I totally hear and agree with what you're saying, Dylan, but do you, do you think that maybe Clayton McMillan's coming into this and he, he's almost coming into this in the position of power? I mean, Gat's first season uh, as coach of the Chiefs was, was nigh on a disaster. Um, and the fact that he's gone yeah. away and, and Clayton McMillan's essentially managed to turn this team into from a from a, a disaster into a, a winning team that came, you know, not not too far away from claiming a title in his absence. Um, it, it's he's really coming into this with a position of strength, and, and I don't know, perhaps Gaps has really undermined his own position at the club um, with what's happened in the last um, sort of six to twelve months, I suppose. So maybe you won't get that sort of dynamic that that you, you sort of talk about with the likes of um, Matt Busby and Belichick. Yeah, although I suspect their pay packets, are, there's still a disparity there. And perhaps <laughs> Gatlin will feel, feel the need to justify that at some point. I'm not sure. I mean, it's going to be intriguing and fascinating to watch how it all pans out. Okay, fellas, um, very quickly uh, in terms of... Oh, actually, I think we might go to the news first because uh, I've got quite a, 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 an interesting one for you both consider about... Uh, rugby being in DNA, this this quote from um, the Springboks uh, and their coach, their head coach at the moment, uh, I, I find that an interesting quote, to be fair, and Richard Turner sparked um, sparked this for me this morning when I spoke to him about the quality of midfield that they produced, and when you look at Chester Williams, uh, you, you look at Brian Habana and, and some of those guys that have played in their back three, is it really in their DNA? So we'll, we'll get back to that, uh, but first we'll head to Trudy, uh, with the news. The opinions, the panel. Andrew Gordy from News Hub is with us this morning, as is uh, Dylan Cleaver, long-time uh, writer for the Herald columnist as well. But Dylan, you've got a new gig these days. Yeah, yeah, I've decided to strike out on my own, um, and I've started a uh, sports newsletter called The Bounce, um, which you can find on Substack if you go to dylancleaver.substack.com. And yeah, it's nice to be able to set my own timetable. It's um, liberating, you could say. <laughs> liberating. I, I imagine there's plenty of uh, rugby, plenty of cricket on the newsletter as well. And one of the subjects I find interesting at the moment is this claim from Jacques Nienuber, the head coach for uh, the Springboks, that it's in their DNA to play rugby that way. I don't buy into that. And if it is in their DNA, they should change it because um, they're looking at four straight losses here as world champions, aren't they? Yeah, and it's it sounds like a little bit of a cop-out. It sounds like it's an excuse for not being able to evolve and adapt, and I think they can, and I think they've shown they can in history. I mean, you mentioned some great names from the past here, your Chester Williams, your Jean de Villiers, uh, these sort of guys. Even now, they've got some terrific players that just aren't um, showing their full wares. I, I, I rate Damien Dialandi really highly, uh, but he's just used as a one-dimensional kind of guy at the moment, and Look, if, if you talk about the All Blacks DNA, what do you think about now? You think about running rugby, exciting rugby, but, I mean, Ian, you would have watched a lot of test matches in the 70s mm. when the All Blacks DNA was absolutely different and they were perhaps one of the duller teams in world rugby. So, to me, it's a little bit of a cop-out. I understand where he's coming from and those inherent qualities, but I still think it should not be a roadblock to adapting and evolving your game. Cop-out's a good phrase, actually. I, I like that. Uh, George, do you buy into DNA and having to play the game the same way? Uh, look, I agree with both of you. And it, it, it is. A t- it's a total cop-out. Um, 
I, I understand why the term DNA is used. Like, I mean, I, look, my, my favourite sport's football, and, um, you know, Manchester United, for example, likes to pri- like to pride themselves on having a, a way of playing, and it's always, you know, um, with, with great spirit and attacking flair and blah, 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 and, and you know, but really, and, until t- you, can, you can rest on that until a manager or a set of players come along to do it better, and then suddenly that's your new DNA. It's, it's, it's a complete cop-out, and... Um, and like you say, um, the, the, the Springboks are in a terrible spot at the moment. And if you just keep uh, stubbornly saying, well, you know, this is the way we play, well, this is going to be your lot and you're going to be out of a job shortly, champ. So you better change things up um, very, very quickly. Um, yeah, look, I mean, we, we all know, for example, if you were to, to try and define the Springbok style of play, um, the first things that come to mind for me are, are a big hulking four-pack, extremely physical and usually with a first five eight, who can kick goals from uh, just about anywhere on, on the pitch. And that's, that's pretty much how I, how I think of Springbok style of play. But if, if they came along and suddenly changed up their game plan and they were winning, um, you know, five, six tests on the trot and they were winning the rugby championship, well, you'd say um, this, is a, this is a coaching genius and a, and a set of players who, um, who are transforming the game and they'll be championing that as well. So, you know, uh, I, you know I, I, don't, I don't really rate talking, talk of uh, DNA, that's for sure. Hey, Gord's um, rugby league's biggest week. Uh, Mark Geyer was um, quoted yesterday as saying, "How do these idiots? How, why do they do it? And why do they bring the game into disrepute as we're about to be on the biggest stage of all?" He's talking about um, these, these blokes with uh, a substance, a white substance. They've been caught on camera uh, from their mates. Apparently, their mates. I say that in inverted commas. Put it on social media. They how good a mates are they? What are you reading into this situation here? I mean, we see it time and again, but what a time to do it. Yeah. Um, look, there's, there's a, whole, a whole lot to unpack with this, this story. And in fact, this, this entire issue of um, white substances, shall we say. Um, we obviously had Reg Walsh earlier in the, or late last week. Um, and now we've got these, these Melbourne Storm players clearly on a, on a Mad Monday type, type situation. Um, you know, letting, letting down, I suppose, after a, a, at the end of the season and, and look what happens. Um, first of all, who's the idiot that was in the room with them taking, mm. taking videos of them um, in that sort of setting? I mean, geez, they've been, they've been terribly let down there. Um, but look, it's pretty apparent, isn't it? Uh, and I think it's fair enough to draw this conclusion that quite clearly um, substance abuse is... Um, it's fairly rife in, in, in the, in, do we say in the NRL? Maybe it's in professional sport in Australia. I don't know, possibly in New Zealand as well. I don't know. Um, but something's got to, be, got to be done about it. It's not a great look for the NRL, obviously, to have these sorts of stories um, popping up um, with such regularity. Um, but, but what can you do about it? I mean, I've seen this suggestion about um, follicle testing and, and, and whatnot. Mm. Um, I, just, I just struggle to see maybe how... How they would be allowed to incorporate that? Like, would, is that something that the like I imagine this sort of measure would have to get the approval of the players' association? Would would they allow something like that? I just I just don't know that they would. Would there even be any point in that, Gords? I mean, look, what are we trying to catch here? Are we trying to catch young guys with a lot of money who have suddenly got a couple of weeks off, or are we trying to catch drug cheats in sport? And what what I mean by drug cheats is performing enhancing drugs. The stupidity here yeah. for me is the video, right? You've got young guys with money with time on their hands. I don't think it's an NRL problem. I can remember 
the days when follicle testing was in English football and you'd have all these guys coming back from their off-season in Ibiza with peroxided hair to get around the the follicle testing. So I'm not sure that's the answer for me, and I know this sounds ridiculously simplistic, it's put away the damn phones. Mm. Yep. Trying. <laughs> well, that is a challenge. That's a worldwide challenge. Um, it just doesn't apply to uh, the NRL. Uh, Dylan, uh, what about the cricket side of things? We've been denied uh, that tour of Pakistan to get some form, uh, but at least we're seeing yep. a little bit uh, in the IPL from uh, the likes of Williamson and Ferguson and Bolt uh, and Co. So that's a little bit encouraging um, uh, in, in that respect. So some good signs? Yeah, I'm not too bothered about the, the loss of that tour. Obviously, it would have been nice just to have some cricket content to, to watch. Um, I've tried to catch up with a bit of the IPL. It's at a fairly awkward time um, for your lifestyle to be able to watch it. But uh, Lockie Ferguson looked terrific last night. Um, uh, I saw him go through Steve Smith, which is always nice to see. Uh, Tim Southey looked good, and it's good to see him getting on the field. So, uh you know, I, I do think T20 is probably, at this point in time, New Zealand's weakest format, but I still think they can go to the, the world champs with you know, a deal of confidence. Confident yourself, Gords? Oh, look, and the Black Hats going to a T20 World Cup. Um, look, I'm probably <laughs> a little more confident with where it's being played uh, this time around as opposed to being played in, in India. Um but look, I, I can't say that I'm, I have high expectations, uh, certainly higher hopes than expectations, um, I, I would say, for this Black Cat team heading into a T20 World Cup. Um, but look, you can't argue with the fact that they've, they've got a pretty solid set of players. Um, and they've certainly got you know, good, good spinners um, who, can, who can take wickets in these conditions, etc., etc. Lockie Ferguson's an absolute weapon. Um, so, you know, it wouldn't be a, a great surprise to see them perform well, but to win the whole thing, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, Andrew Gordy there with his thoughts this morning on the panel. Uh, thank you very much, Gords, as always. And to you too, Dylan, I wish you all the best with your new project, The Bounce. Look out for that uh, uh, with the Dylan Cleaver. You'll be, uh, you'll be very, very uh, interested in a lot of the stuff that he comes up with. I can assure you of that. Uh, he has his finger on the pulse, so that'll be nice to get into. Uh, 8833 is our text number here on SENZ, double eight double three. Um, it's also 0800 is the phone number. Who are the idiots here? Who's it wrong? Is it the guy taking the, the filming of uh, taking the substance? Is he the guy that's wrong uh, for taking it and then putting it on, uh, on websites, on social media? Not good, admittedly. But who, uh, what about putting yourself in that position? And, and here we are talking about the consumption of an illegal drug. So who is the idiot here? Who is the idiot here? Um, look, get, get a hold of us there, as well as uh, your loose forward trio for the All Blacks, if you want to talk about drugs, and a lot of people don't. Your loose forward trio for the All Blacks for this weekend. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it's 10.46 here on SENZ, and Andrew's called in from Christchurch. Andrew, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are we? Yep, we're okay, mate. Uh, we're better than those people in the league, aren't we? Absolutely. Look, I, I just want to touch on the Warriors. Um, 
if memory serves me correct, since they got rid of Roger to, or allowed Roger to come back to New Zealand early, they lost every single game. In the final game of the season, as of now, four of those players are banned from playing rugby league next year, initially. So that's the three that got sent off, plus Reese Walsh. If the Warriors are about a culture, then you could easily look at it and say they lack leadership since they made the decision to let Roger leave early. So when it comes to leadership, Smithy, apart from the coach, it comes from those that are on the field. And I put it to you, if the Warriors had still been based in New Zealand, would the drugs have happened and would it have been recognised like it has been in Australia? I would say, and uh, I think you're right, um, uh, in a lot of respect to what you say there, Andrew, I think they did win a couple of games um, straight after Roger left, but that, that's just by the by. Uh, I certainly believe in, in Reese Walsh's case. Uh, he was obviously out with his Aussie mates, uh, being released back at home into a, f- a familiar environment from the Warriors, so I think he was surrounded by uh, people that probably wouldn't have been able to influence him if uh, he was New Zealand-based, so I, I think that's an issue with that one. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I also take your point uh, along with guidance and, and the fact that, you know, uh, you, have to, you have to almost with some of these, these boys, and they are boys to a lot of extent, you, you just you can't take your, your, your finger off the forehead. You've just got to keep, keep it on there. And, and that is an issue there because life isn't like that, Andrew, is it? it it's not supposed to be like that. No. No, and particularly if you're on if you're on the back end of a decent paycheck, a nice contract which could set you up for life, why? I mean, these guys in the Melbourne Storm, exactly. they are from a they're from a successful outfit. Yep, yep. And do you remember a couple of years ago when um, I'm, I'm sure it was Gus Gould at the Panthers when one of them got uh, caught with uh, video, intimate video shall we say. Mm. And I remember the story came out and Gus Gould sat all the players that he was talking to down and said, who's got incriminating evidence on their phone relating to intimacy? Every single one of those players put their hand up. So when it comes to the mobile phone and your friends, none of this is new. So, and that's, that's just a statement per se, but a question I have for you, Smithy, is when you have a sports contract, you are, are you still paid in the off-season? Look, I would imagine these things are all budgeted out over a monthly basis. You know, whether you're on, whether you're on deck right. or not off deck, you're, you're actually aligned to the company. I, think, I get what you're saying. Um, you've still got a responsibility there, and you, they also should have the right to take that salary off you. I, I think that's the point you're making, Andrew. Uh, and it's a very, very valid one as well. Stay on the line, mate, please. Andrew, stay on the line. Uh, we're going to give you uh, a latest copy of Rugby News. And we're going to do that on a regular basis with anyone that wants to uh, call us um, with uh, a, a really informed opinion or question, uh, like Andrew has just done. Uh, we'll reward you with a, a copy of Rugby News. Uh, uh, texts have come in as well. Uh, the guy recording is not the idiot. The real idiots are the players who are happy to throw their career away for a night on the coke. Uh, uh, Smithy, the players are at fault at 100%. They shouldn't be doing anything around any kind of white powder why are they around people uh, they don't know? Because surely a mate wouldn't film them out on a bender. Shame, really. Both players were role models on and off the field. Totally, uh, totally agree uh, with those sentiments, 
surround yourself. If you're going to do stupid things, surround yourself with people that will protect you, not expose you. Louis Herman watch shortly, 10.51. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Here's Prince of Penzance coming on down the outside. Prince of Penzance for Michelle Payne. Now Max Dynamite starts to charge home. Prince of Penzance from Max Dynamite. Prince of Penzance, it's history at Flemington, Michelle Payne. Prince of Penzance for Max Dynamite. Well, Louis Herman, what is courtesy of loveracing.nz. The reason why we played that, Louis, it's Michelle Payne's birthday today. There you go. Oh, Michelle Payne, what a hero of, uh, well, I guess, woman in sport, not just racing, right? I mean, she just, she kind of clocked it. She got the ride, a 101-shot Prince of Penzance or whatever it was. She rode it to perfection and um, a trailblazing woman. It's awesome. Oh, actually, here's one. Could we, uh, I know the Trailblazer series. I wonder if the Australian team at SEN have done Michelle Payne. I'd love to hear an interview with her. Hey, um, Smithy, happy birthday to Michelle Payne. Now, some racing at Awara Park in uh, Rotorua today where the track is heavy, so you've seen lots of scratchings. But Eagle Tarzan is a Tavistock gelding from Barrier 1 in race 3. Maddie Cameron tipped it to us last start, and I swear it'll be worth staying with. I don't know if it'll win, but you're getting $4.50. It's going to go really close. Barbarina is the Stephen Marsh runner in this race. It's a Savabille filly that was very impressive for second on debut. That looks like the Quinella. I'll probably have a play in that. And then in race seven on the card, Tony Pike has a horse called Flag Hunter. Second up today, a wide barrier draw, which shouldn't matter at that time of day. And it is a sacred fool's gelding, so you'd think it'll cop the heavy track. There's a couple to follow at Rotorua. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is 11.03 here at New Zealand time. Uh, last time we talked to New Zealand tennis player Erin Routliffe, she had just reached the round of 16 of the doubles of the US Open with Leila Fernandez. Uh, Leila, of course, uh, was a great story there, went on to lose the final of the singles uh, to Emma Raducanu. Uh, and Erin Routliffe's uh, played in two doubles finals since then, and she's absolutely soaring up the ranking. So uh, good morning to you, Erin. This is a good story. Starting at 154, and you're up to 55 now. That must be hugely pleasing. Hi, yeah. Um, I'm really happy with the way the last few weeks have been going. Um, definitely, definitely, obviously, a career high is always something to be proud of. So I'm happy about it, and I'm excited to get more opportunities in the next few weeks, for sure. Uh, you're, uh, you're going really well. You're playing with uh, American Caitlin Christian. Uh, what is about the combination with you two that's uh, proving so successful at the moment? Yeah, I think we're both really, really different. Um, I have a big serve and big returns, hit pretty hard, and she's more crafty with, like, lobs, slices, um, coming to the net and all that. We both like to be up at the net, so I think it's intimidating when we're both up there. And um, I think we just really get along well on the court. I think we both make each other feel really good and we're positive and have a lot of energy. So it's been working so far, and I'm excited about it. Physically, there's a big size difference. I mean, uh, she's 5'9", you're, uh, you're about... You're about six two, and I imagine a six foot two uh, person at the net with quite a big wingspan uh, makes quite an imposing sight. 
yeah, I guess you'd probably have to ask my opponents about that. No, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think um, when I, when we're both at the net, I think that uh, I don't think girls like it. So that's ideally where we would want to be. Tell us about, uh, you often watch doubles tennis and there's a lot of whispering behind the hands going on when you meet at the baseline and then you get to the net and you see the signals behind the back. Tell us about a little bit about those and how they evolve. Yeah, so when you're talking in between points, um, you're like talking about where you're going to serve and then what the net person is going to do. Um, and then the signals at the front is kind of just confirmation, I would say. Um, some It depends. Some people like to do signals, like just signals, but I always like to talk to my partner and communicate that way and then kind of confirm with the signal. So it's just where the server is going to serve and then what the net player is going to do, whether they're going to, you know, cross, look, or just stay where they are. Okay, so you're in Chicago now. That's where we find you at the moment. You just come from the Czech Republic where you made the mm-hmm. final of the Estrava Open. Now, uh, that is uh, that's a really decent result there. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, that was definitely the biggest final of my career. One of the biggest results I think of my career, uh, making the finals of a 500. Um, we were really excited um, about it, and we obviously played two of the. I mean, Sonia Mears is probably one of the best women's doubles players of all time, and then Shui Zhang just won the U.S. Open with Stozer. So mm-hmm. they're both two really hot players, really confident. Um, we had a lot of opportunities and a lot of chances in that match. It was really close, um, but we just didn't convert as many as we would have liked, and they played really, really well on the big points. So it was a good match and obviously a really great week for us, and we're excited to keep the momentum going. So. Uh, this is really interesting, Erin, because how do you choose your schedule? There's, you know, there seems to be weekly events on. When you look at a, a schedule coming up, do you look at it from an individual point of view or do you look at it from a pairing point of view? Um, in the last like few years, I've just looked at it from an individual point of view because I've never really been at a ranking where I can like pick and choose to play with one person for um, we- multiple weeks in a row. So I think that will change going forward because I think the next year I'll be able to make my schedule a lot more in advance because I'll be able to get into a lot bigger tournaments um, and kind of know where I'm going, which will be really nice. And hopefully I'll be able to um, pair up with someone often or if not the whole year, then like multiple times during the year. And then it would be more of a pairing situation because doing the schedule is tough, but it'd be nice to have someone else. (laughs) Here we are sitting in September, of course, uh, the next Tennis major doesn't happen till the new year. Thank God it doesn't happen in New Zealand because uh, at the moment you couldn't get here. But um, let's look at uh, at probably being in Australia. Um, Is that what you're gearing towards? I mean, it seems quite a long way away. There's a lot of tennis to be played before then. But, I mean, that's where the money's made. That's the serious side of things. That's where you reach your goals. How far in advance do you look? Um, Yeah, uh, not... too far I think probably right now I'm just focusing on the end of the year because there are a couple of goals that I'm looking for or hoping to reach by the end of the year and um, I have uh, partners set for most of the tournaments so obviously Indian Wells is next week that's like second biggest tournament next to a slam so that's one that's going to be really exciting but um, as for Australian Open um, no I haven't really been looking yet or know really what's going to happen there but I'll probably start looking within the next month or the season's over for me probably at the end of October. So I'll probably maybe see where I'm at then and then, you know, figure it out then. Can I ask you what your goals are then? Is it a ranking number or is it a, 
is it a, a, a financial thing? I, I guess one yeah. determines the other in some respect. So, so what is what are those goals? Um, yeah, so I want to be obviously I'm close, but I want to be top fifty by the end of the year, which is something that um, at the beginning of at the beginning of this year, I think I was ranked like I won sixty something like that. So I I would want it to be one in the top hundred by the end of the year. But now now that goal has changed. I want to be top fifty um, because you know, that's just one step towards, um, I guess, multiple other things that I'd like to do with my career. But um, yeah, that's the goal right now. And if I get higher than that, then that's just a bonus. <laughs> Interesting thing, uh, if you look at the way uh, tennis tournaments are run, and of course, uh, moving from one event to the next event, of course, the further you go on one event, uh, means the less time you've got to prepare, I suppose, or get ready for the next one in terms of relocation, etc., how do you get around yeah. things like jet lag and and, um, and the busyness of your schedules? Yeah, that is something that's really tough. And honestly, I've never, I mean, obviously I've made finals before, but um, I've never really had to, you know, go from a final at a WTA to, to play another WTA in an, on another continent, which is what I'm doing right now. Because yesterday we flew in, we had like a 10-hour flight from Czech Republic direct to Chicago and then um, went through customs, all that stuff and had to stay awake until like at least 9 p.m. But then I was super jet like this morning. I woke up at like 4 a.m. and I've been awake ever since. And now I just would like to pass out. But obviously I can't do that. So um, I'll just go walk around the city. Chicago is so nice. Normally I just like to, you know, stay busy and stay active when I'm not um, practicing at the courts. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something you got to figure out um, yourself. I think everyone's a little bit different, but for me, mm. just, you know, being properly getting, like getting good food, proper rest, all that stuff. I'm, I'm sure tomorrow I'll wake up and feel like a different person. So I'm excited for that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, and of course the other thing Aaron, you've got to throw into the mix touring at the moment is the pandemic and, having to deal with different countries' protocols, et cetera. What is it like on the tennis circuit for that? Yeah, well, it's easier for vaccinated people. So I'm vaccinated, so that's nice. Um, traveling through Europe is quite easy. If you just show your vaccine card, you're good. Um, I mean, basically, I do an exit test at every single tournament because the next tournament I go to, if it's a different country, I need to show the entry test. Um, and then you have like certain paperwork, like letters of exemption to travel from, for instance, Europe to the States is not allowed, but I had like a letter of exemption for that. And, um, yeah, it's just, every country is completely different. So you just got to check and be on top of it, but it is something to add to the mix. Cause obviously pre COVID, it wasn't really something to think about, but now it definitely is. <laughs> yeah, sure is. Uh, and we're tasting it down here. It's just incredible. Um, yeah. and we've had it so good for so long, we haven't got it that good at the moment. But uh, hey, uh, you've you've reached out, I guess, with, with Layla since uh, her runner-up uh, performance in the US Open, which was completely amazing. I mean, uh, and and when you add it to uh, the performance of Ida uh, Redekanyu, it's actually promoted tennis and the most positive light to, to young people. But that, of course, comes with the handling of pressure. Uh, have you spoken to her or how she's coped since uh, since that event? Yeah, yeah, I have spoken to her. Um, I'll see her at Indian Wells. That's her next tournament, so that'll be nice. And I think, you know what, I think, I think that it has a lot to do with the people you surround yourself with, and I think that she has a lot of really um, well-rounded, um, intelligent people around her, and she's also incredibly intelligent and also mature for her age. So I think that, you know, obviously – 
with young people doing well. Sometimes it goes to their head and the pressure, all that stuff. But I think, I think she's doing quite well. I think she's honestly just excited and happy that, you know, with her new ranking and new popularity, that there's more opportunities for her to play. And I think she really found herself, like she said in a couple of interviews that she was happy with the way that she like used the crowd for support and to get her through a lot of matches, which I don't think she's ever done before. Like she's kind of hit her personality. So I think for her personally, it's just going to be a good thing. And um, I'm definitely excited to see her play in the next few months and next year for sure. Could you play with her? Is it a possibility uh, from major to major that you play with her in the next one as well? Yeah. I mean, obviously both our rankings are good enough to get into all the slams. So um, that is definitely a possibility. I mean, we did well together and, uh, we, we played well together. Um, for her, obviously her priority is singles. So who knows if she'll play some, you know, sometimes singles player. Well, I don't know, but a lot of times singles players don't play singles and doubles if they don't have to want to all that stuff, if they're going deep in tournaments, but, um, yeah, definitely a possibility. And if it, if it comes, if the opportunity comes up, we'll definitely play together again. Erin, uh, we're obviously following your progress now that we're getting to know you. Uh, that again, uh, starts again uh, tomorrow in the Chicago Fall Tennis Classic against the Belgian and Ukrainian combination. Uh, what do you know about them? How much research are you able to do on your opponents? Um, I don't know them. I've never played them. Um my partner has played them a few times and she's been around the tour, you know, ranked around them for a couple years now. So she's seen them play a couple times. So I'll definitely talk to her and her coach um, before. Um, but as for my plan, it's mostly just to focus on myself and try to, you know, keep the momentum going and continue having good results and just enjoying it. Cause I think that's when I play my best for sure. Well, it sounds like, uh, I mean, I, I listened in your voice. I try to find, signals in your voice it sounds like you're living the dream i mean you're so up about this whole thing and we hear so much about pressure in sport and people not being able to handle it you seem to be riding a nice little wave at the moment and and handling it well yeah i mean i'm trying um i've worked on you know the mental aspect of my game for like years and years so um this is just you know i guess it's just years of hard work like coming into into like a good wave of success as you said um but yeah i'm just trying to take it everything everything every week that goes by is just like another step towards like you know the bigger goals that i have for myself so um hopefully i can just keep it up and continue playing well and enjoying it so much <laughs> it's a great story um we're following it with uh, uh, a really close range at the moment because uh, as i said we're, we're getting to know you and 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 listen to you, which is absolutely cool. Thanks so much for your time again this morning. And next time, next time we want to speak to you, you've got to be in the top 50 uh, and with yeah. a, a couple of titles under your belt. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's a plan. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, let's do it all right. Erin now, Erin Routlefo, delightful person and, and uh, going places, particularly in women's doubles with a ranking approaching number 50 in the world, which uh, is super successful. Thanks uh, so much for her time again this morning here. Uh, it's 11.16. Um, your calls and texts would be gratefully received. It's double eight double three. Uh, of course, the text number, we've got plenty in on uh, these idiots uh, in the NRL, and I, I don't mind saying it. They're, they're idiots, and, and if they look in the mirror and deny it, they're even bigger idiots. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
And it is 11.21 here on SENZ this Wednesday morning. A text from Gizzy Bombay uh, said that Erin Bird, she sounds like a yank. What's her background? Well, I can tell you it's a very interesting one. Uh, her parents were travelling around the world uh, and she was born a New Zealander. They stayed in New Zealand for four years. Uh, that is where she gets uh, her, her Kiwi uh, citizenship, her Kiwi background. But she actually plays out of Montreal in Canada and that's in a Canadian accent that you hear but still very proud to, to be part of a, a Kiwi-type setup. But uh, really interesting young lady, six foot tall, six foot two tall actually, big range, uh, and uh, going places at school. Uh, also, he says, have you seen this Michelle Payne movie? We, we played that uh, little bit of uh, Michelle Payne action because, of course, it's her birthday today. Bloody good yarn is that. Uh, it's called Ride Like a Girl if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic, actually. Uh, it's a bit of a tearjerker too. Just quietly says, uh, Gizzy, don't uh, take you for a, a bit of a sobber, uh, Gizzy, to be fair, but uh, you may well be. Uh, other birthdays today, other birthdays today, KD has a birthday today, Kevin Durant, Lord Nelson. Uh, Lord Nelson, of course, uh, great cricket significance because it's Lord Nelson uh, is associated with the saying or the expression one, 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 uh, one eye, one arm and one something else. So um, there was... Uh, why they the cricketers uh, on one one one? That's a superstitious number, particularly for England and uh, New Zealand cricketers. Not so much for Australia. Their number is eighty seven. But one one one. When you see one 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 come up, or two two two, or three three three, uh, multiples of one one one, you might occasionally see cricketers in the outfield put one leg up so something doesn't go wrong. It's a superstitious thing. Uh, umpire David Shepherd used to stand on one leg uh, when the score was that while he was umpiring in the middle. One of the great characters. Lord Nelson has a birthday. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis has a birthday. Uh, great singer, dodgy background. Speaking of dodgy backgrounds, Fred West. Fred West, of course, the Yorkshire Ripper, the modern-day Yorkshire Ripper, Fred West. Um, and uh, just some of the notables having birthdays today on the 29th. Uh, John, other uh, news has come in uh, regarding some uh, of your friends, your, your partying friends uh, from Australia. What's the latest out of Brisbane? Yeah, well, we're talking about these Storm players, obviously, who've been caught on camera with the white substance. Um, and the Courier-Mail across the Tasman saying that Cameron Munster, Brandon Smith and Chris Lewis will cop fines of up to $40,000 and two game bans from the NRL. And the Storm will also issue some sanctions. Total fines may reach $100,000. And a text has come through. If the NRL wants to punish Brandon Smith by sending him to the Warriors, that would be fine by me. Hashtag bring the cheese to the Warriors. <laughs> Bring the cheese to the Warriors. Well, we can assume then, of course, um, that there wasn't salt. It was not salt. It could well have been, uh, and we're, the other theory, it could have been baking powder making some scones, some cheese scones, John. Is that <laughs> yeah. right? Brandon cheese. Smith, the cheese, yeah, cheese. making some cheese scones with the baking powder. Yeah, surely that's the answer, Smithy. What, what else could it be? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Uh, Dave from Karaka has uh, texted saying, uh, trouble with we, these blokes is they get the money too easy. I doubt if they've gone nine hours a day at work, six days a week, uh, they would be very spoiled kids. So, um, yeah, there you go, enjoying the show. Uh, thanks very much, Dave, regular uh, contributor. Uh, hi, guys. Read the NRL. Introduce a compulsory five-year ban and an immediate contract cancellation for drug and or assault. Dumb is no excuse. Tough, but it will weed out the idiots. That's from Mike. Very strong opinion there. Uh, hi, Stockley. You must know this bloke very well. Uh, secret name, uh, nickname there. Uh, I haven't 
got the phone number. I probably have, actually. Why is it a league issue but never hear about a union, AFL or netball? Obviously, where there was a cricket affair in South Africa a long time ago with a bit of uh, dope on a beach. But it always seems the league boys are the ones making the mistakes. It's not the only code either that is surrounded by phones. And that, of course, that's the crutch part, uh, crux of the issue for me is that, you know, people will do what they do behind closed doors. People will do it out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and, you know, these, these guys that are doing that, are they the only ones doing it? Of course they're not. But they have uh, not got the right people around them and they're the ones that are exposed on this occasion. And, and it serves as a reminder. Uh, my understanding is I've, I've got a three-tier system in league. Uh, as, as something of, uh, I'll have to read it again, but I was looking at it this morning very briefly. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Strike three, of course, means you're out. Um, Bruce Walsh has had strike one. These guys may be at strike one or strike two level. But uh, to be perfectly honest, um, you know, uh, if they get to a strike three situation and you do it, John, three times, if you're involved in these things, and I mean um, assault or, or a fray or any of those things, uh, you know, you just got to go. You, I mean, you can't continue to exist along those lines. No, you mentioned it earlier on, I think, in your sermon. Like, Peter Volandes has done everything he can to get NRL going this year and, and stay going. And lockdown breaches and people using uh, illicit drugs just certainly doesn't help the reputation of the NRL. But I must say, in this situation, Smithy, we've heard some NRL stories in our times, haven't we, over the last couple of decades of league boys gone bad. This is right near the bottom. I'd say, in terms of league guys gone bad. This is two guys being stupid um, and probably nothing much more than that. It's a societal issue for me. I think drug taking, especially in Australia, it's just huge. It's it's massive for young people um, and white powder and not sold on the fish and chips. It's massive over there, Smithy. It's just huge. So I think there's a wider issue here for young Australians um, and illicit drug use and they do all the education. We talked to Paul Fatawera earlier on. He said every club in the NRL has got um, an officer that looks after well-being and tells these kids what to do, what not to do, um, so they can keep on educating them and drumming it into them. But it's in society, Smithy. Reese Walsh will have all these young mates who are around doing this all the time. And just one weekend, he's out there doing it with them, and he gets caught by the police, and all of a sudden, it's rugby league players have a problem. Well, I think it's society as a whole. Smithy, who has a big problem, especially in Australia. Okay, so a lot of people will uh, be reacting to that comment you've just made there, and I'm, I sort of am as well. So, yeah, but uh, is that an excuse? Is, is that, to me, that, is that an excuse? You see, I'll throw it back at you. These guys are in privileged positions. They are the elite of the elite. Uh, how much money are Reese Walsh's colleagues getting, those, those guys that have induced him into doing this thing this time around? Um, you've got to place yourself with the money becomes uh, becomes a tag. Uh, and that, as uh, Dave has pointed out from Karaka, is a tag you've got to live with or, or don't take the money. Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid. You've got to make changes in your life because the life you're living is not typical. It's not typical of those other people that go to work from nine to five. It is a privileged life. And, and you can't you can't just use that as an excuse to say, oh, I broke loose just once or twice a year. I get to be with my mates and broke loose. Hey, look, go out with them. Have a few beers with them. Party with them. Do what you like with them. Don't do that with them. Yeah. Don't do that. Yep. If the law says don't do it and you're in that privileged position, you've got a contract and you're breaking the law, well, it's going to have some ramifications. But 
It's not it's not assaulting people. It's not assaulting women. It's not these things that we've heard rugby league uh, doing in the past. It's it's partying and someone video recording you and you're breaking the law. I just you know I, I think five year ban and tear up their contract is going way too far. I think you just tell people, hey, you're in this privileged privileged position. This is strike one, like you mentioned. Don't do it again or else there will be massive ramifications. But I'm happy with that. A a monetary fine of up to $40,000, a two-game ban from the NRL. I think that's about right, Smithy. Okay, fair enough, John. That's your opinion. and Others will have others, and that's the great thing about a little bit of talkback radio with a little bit of reflection in in the form of uh, texts along the way. It's one way. I won't say it's one way traffic. You've evened the balance a wee bit, John, but um, yeah, we'll continue to mull it over, as they say. It's 11.30 here on SENZ. It's time for Stump Smithy. We're back to 50 bucks worth of vouchers today. Good luck with your effort, and I hope you I hope you do well, because it's a good punting day, actually, Wednesday. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. It was quite a thrill yesterday, giving away the $100, so we are back down to 50 today, which isn't too bad either, actually, for just calling a radio station and answering, answering three quiz questions. And today we have Chris from Hamilton. G'day, mate. Afternoon, lad. Oh, morning. Morning. How's Good life in the Tron? Oh, raining, but not too bad. Raining? We're at level two, so I'm surviving. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, have you played before, uh, Stump by Smithy? Do you know how it works? Yeah, know how it works. Excellent. All right. Your three sporting categories today then, Chris, are boxing, football, and rugby league. What are you going to go for? Oh, we'll give rugby league a crack, eh? All right. Why not? Rugby league, eh? What do you think of those uh, idiots getting caught uh, with white powder, by the way, Chris? Well... Pretty shit mates that are filming them to put it on, but they can at least wait for after the final. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mad Mondays. I don't think it's the last story we'll hear from a Mad Monday, no. and it's certainly not no, the first. Never. No, no, no. Awesome, Chris. We'll get on to it. Uh, you know how it works. Get a question wrong, Smithy can stump you, but get three right, and you win fifty bucks. So, question number one: Benji Marshall's flick pass in the two thousand and five NRL Grand Final for the Tigers is one of the most iconic moments in rugby league history. Who did he pass the ball to? Pat Richards. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Smithy, I think that's probably a record for fastest answer either. We often get accused of our listeners Googling, but no chance there. No. No, I don't think that's a... a no, I mean, this, I, I just kind of think Chris is onto this, so I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost conceding. But I'm not. Yeah. Um, they, re- they replayed it on the news last night, that's why. <laughs> oh, fresh in the memory. <laughs> Never get sick of it, though, eh, Chris? No, that's Yeah, it's awesome. All right, question number two. The Panthers beat the Canberra Raiders in 1991 in the grand final to secure their first NRL title. Who scored a double for Penrith that day? Oh, um, that's a tricky one. I'm going to go with Mark Guy. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not Mark Geyer. I think he was involved in one of the tries, but it wasn't Mark Geyer. Smithy, chance for a stumping. Oh, God. Um, was Brandy around then? Was Brandy around then for the Penrith Panthers? I'll go Greg Alexander. He's got it. He 
Smithy's out court. No, Smithy, it wasn't Brandy Alexander. He was in the side, but it was Roycey Simmons, the hooker. Oh, the hooker. Roycey oh. Simmons double. In 1991, one of the great moments for the veteran. So you are still alive, Chris from Hamilton. One more question to get the chocolates. Two Rabbitohs have famously played on with a broken jaw in the NRL Grand Final. Name them. Sam Burgess. Yep. And... Oh. We had Shit, his, we had his son on yesterday. If you were listening yesterday. Oh, uh, that one? I've got... Oh. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. There you go. Sammy Burgess and John Sattler, both playing in grand finals for the Rabbitohs with broken jaws, both winning premierships too with those broken jaws, Smithy. Yeah, uh, it was a great story, actually. I really love the yarn, actually, from Scott Sattler. What immense respect and, and uh, what a great relationship he's got with his dad. Um, so they're going to enjoy in different ways uh, the uh, grand final this weekend. Uh, Chris, you going to watch it? Oh, yeah, for sure. So yep. ha- who no. will you watch it with, mate? Do you have a bunch of mates or anything like that? And uh, who do you want to win? Oh, no, a few of the lads might come around. I mean, I can't go past Benji's fairy, fairy tale, even though I dislike the Rabbitohs a lot. But uh, it'd be good to see him get another one 15 years later. So I'll be keen for the like Just like the Rabbitohs because of uh, Russell Crowe's ownership, or is it further back than that, long-standing? Oh, I don't know. They've just oh, 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 the Sydney clubs often just rub me rub me the wrong way. They're a bit like Canterbury, I suppose. I think they're better than everyone. Okay, fair enough. I love your attitude, mate. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't get that from uh, the Chiefs or Waikato, would you? No, no, God, no, Sydney, no. no. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Hey, stay on the line. Brian will get your details. Uh, congratulations on uh, winning that that uh, 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers. We'll do it again uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, around about 11.30. Uh, coming up, it's our weekly segment uh, with comedy. It's no joke. Sports, no joke. Uh, and our man ringing this morning in uh, is Joseph Moore. You'll know Joseph. He's part of the music duo Two Hearts with his fiance uh, Laura Daniel. He's coming up next. Joseph Moore. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Sports, no joke. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From Wimbledon to the Astrodome. We like sports and we don't care who knows. down, arms up. That's the way we like to hug. You're not my best friend, but you're in the top ten. And according to Jacinda, that's enough. My shoulders watch you put your face in oxytocin levels raising. I've been horny for a hug since level four was seven days in. Never knew how hard it would get. Watching hug porn on the internet. Thank God we can now embrace. As long as we contact trace. Don't need a mask, don't need a glove. I just need your platonic love. We only getting warmed up. I'm thinking about hugs and I'm horned up. Uh, what a cool rap that is about being horny for hugs during lockdown. Can anything be more current in life at the moment, particularly for you Auckland folk? Uh, I'm pleased to say our comedian this week, uh, the one we're highlighting is Joseph Moore. He's uh, part of the music duo Two Hearts. Uh, it's a regular on the New Zealand comedy scene. You've seen him on TV shows like uh, Seven Days. 
Uh, of course, uh, his partner is Laura Daniel. They are engaged, which makes it uh, an even more, I, I guess, well-researched rap, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Joseph, good morning to you. <laughs> yeah, g'day. How you doing? Ah, uh, look, we're doing great, mate. How are you doing? Uh, I mean, it's not an easy time for comedians. Lockdown, you crave for live audiences, etc. Uh, very tough uh, for your particular uh, brand of humour, I would imagine. Absolutely, we're constantly constantly getting news that gigs up and down the country are off. So uh, just trying trying to do our best, uh, you know, trying to get into the, the digital realm. It's not it's not the same as, as being in front of people. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, okay, you're you're a footy fan, uh, and you like you love the Phoenix. Absolutely, um, huge diehard fan since since day one. It's become a increasingly major part of my personality. So how often have you been able to watch them live? Oh, I'd say I go down go down a few times a year. I went to both games in New Zealand last season when they managed to put them on, um, and and I've made the odd uh, trip to Australia. I've yet to fly to Australia and see them win. But uh, hey, that's okay. the um, that's the next step. That's the ultimate goal. So, what what is it yeah. about the Phoenix? I mean, do you have do you have an, uh, an English football team as well, or is it just the Phoenix? Well, it's it's constantly um, been tough for me. My English football team is Burnley, um, <laughs> and this this started um, my dad when he was I think five years old. Listened to the radio, and um, they had won the top league at the time, and he was a glory hunter, and he decided that's my team for life. And then he passed it on to me and they've yet to win since, I think that was 1960. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been great following Burnley now they've got a Kiwi in there and, in the form of Chris Wood. But, uh, yeah, no, I've just been a big big fan of Phoenix since they showed up and and just like to kind of, you know, punish myself in that way. <laughs> would you go? Well, I mean, would you go to extent, uh, Joseph, of whipping your shirt off if they got a goal or anything of that nature? Have you you're not been seen doing that? Well, I have I was I was seen on TV doing it once, and I got enough texts that that was that was the last time. I kind of just uh, used my voice um, to celebrate. Now, far more, far you, more powerful ever... tool than my dear chest. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I would I would imagine that I, I would similarly imagine that Laura might beg to differ there. <laughs> we'll see. She's um she's come along to cover games and and um, kept, kept hers on as well. We're we're a very respectful um, couple. <laughs> In that way, have you have you done a rap for the Phoenix? I don't know. Yeah, it's I've always kind of um, haven't done a rap per se. I'm, I'm always kind of looking for ways. My dream one day um, is to become successful enough that I'm like the mad butcher of the Phoenix, like the kind of one um, <laughs> uh, kind of figure that just hangs around in the periphery and just get, get along to, to things in my old age. So so maybe maybe a rap will get me there. Well, you got something in common with the Mad Butcher because your you, your devoted teams probably win about the same amount of games. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's been a, um, I was just thinking it's been a rough kind of couple of days for them. They um, they just had their captain Stephen Taylor uh, retire, um, and apparently it's because he said wherever he goes, COVID follows him. And I, I mean, I've got news for him about uh, how COVID works. I don't think it's, it's him, but uh, that's the. Um, and he's saying, you know, he doesn't want to go over there in Australia. They're looking at doing another season in Australia, and it's just a hard time to be, to be any uh, sports team based in New Zealand. And I kind of just long for the days when being crap was the main problem. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, I guess you're right. I mean, being crap at home, at least you can go home. Um, but <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, um, what do you make of their chances? What, are the, what do you make of their chances this time around as the squad starts to develop? Well, they've, they've got a really strong group of young Kiwis. And I guess the kind of question is, is it is that going to be enough this year or is it kind of more of a development season, getting those guys up to scratch and then waiting till a year later when we can actually start attracting? Because, I mean, they've, they've already saying they can't recruit any more overseas players until January just because they can't get them into the country. Uh, yeah, I think it's just a... Just positive. I'm just going to send them positive vibes and, and hope for the best. You never know. Um, this year, the, the thing that's really exciting about this year is having a, a league team as well. So that's two games a week, and you can we can maybe hang our hopes on the um, on the women instead, or, or as well. Joseph, uh, it looks for all intents and purposes as if the, the all whites might have some matches lined up for them shortly. I mean, I, I'd almost forgot we had a national team until someone said they might change the name of it. <laughs> Yeah, no, they looks like they've they've thrown together a, a squad um, somehow uh, out of a bunch of kind of kids playing in in Norway and Denmark. But um, good on them. I'm excited. They're playing our bitter rivals Bahrain, who we haven't seen since since that iconic uh, day in 2009. And and of course Kurushal, the Titans of Kurushal. Uh, I'm really excited <laughs> to see to see them take the field. <laughs> Well, I mean, the worst thing could do is we could lose to them, I suppose, when we can't even pronounce their name properly. We'd learn very quickly what that was like. Hey, uh, so what about the name change? Did you did you have any theories if it was going to change the name that um, what it would be, or, or you were just absolutely all whites through and through? No, I'm not. I'm not one of those people that's oh, because you know it's only been around what 30, 30 odd years. Um, it's been around all my life, but I kind of I kind of see where they're coming from, less so from the political correctness, but also also just from kind of having to constantly compare themselves to the All Blacks. I think it's maybe it maybe does the team a disservice to um be the All Blacks but different, you know, they play a different sport, they're their own they're their own thing, their own brand. And I think Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm I'm fine with any name. Just New Zealand New Zealand's all you need. Well, I, I reckon, I mean, I imagine you, you've got a lot of projects on the go and I, I hope that you can get out in front of a live audience sooner rather than later. But mate, in your quest to be like the Mad Butcher, I think I really would like <laughs> you to uh, to come up. To, I'm serious about this. I, I, I think if you came up with a, a real Phoenix rap and the word crap comes to mind early as, as a reminder, uh, <laughs> you know, a, 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 I just kind of think you could come up with something really special um, for the, the team that going back to their traditional black and yellow stripes, I'm told as well, Joseph. Yes, indeed. That's 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 the look. Look, well, there's there's, there's plenty of scope, plenty of great um, names in the team to to rhyme with. Ball, that's your main striker. That's easy. Bunch of wordplay you can I, do there. I, so yeah, maybe I have to get my pen and pad out and get to work. That's the quickest way to start them with the Phoenix, I'd say, to come up with one of those uh, trade book chants, a new one for this season, and one that they can hear from um, uh, the distance of uh, Australia away. So if you can put that to tape, get it on the internet, get it round, I'm, I'm going to predict big things for you, Joseph. Joseph Moore, okay, uh, thanks, very right. You'll be, Th- thanks very much. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Have, you yeah, you please do that.
please do that. I challenge okay. you. It's eleven fifty two here on SENZ. Uh, all the best too um, in your vocation. Love love comedy. Love these guys on the show. It's great. Uh, when we come back, Staffy, of course, as we look towards the afternoon here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Just after 11.57 here on NZ, it's NZ, sorry, S-E-N-Z. Staff will get it right anyway, between 12 and 4. Hey, Staff, yeah, interesting. You say that the Manawatu Turbos are the greatest team on earth. I'll run with that ball to a certain extent. Their women's team is going a hell of a well. The women's what do they call them? The Cyclones. They're amazing. They they sure are. And I actually had a catch-up oh, maybe two months ago. They had a game up in uh, Whangarei against uh, the Northland team. And on their way back, I caught up for a quick coffee with their coach, uh, Fussy. And um, at the end of it, he walked away. He, as, we were, as I was leaving, he said, bro, I've never seen anyone so passionate about our team ever. He said, you just love the Green Waves. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, I'm, I start shaking when I talk about it. It's just, um, and it's funny, the longer you're away from a place, the more the more you feel connected. It's a, it's a strange phenomenon. So um, speaking on the subject of shaking, uh, I, they might be shaking a wee bit now in their boots, some of these NRL guys that have, again, let the, let the team down, and I say team collectively, on the biggest week of all. Yeah, it's disappointing, isn't it? You know, we've had the, the Reese Walsh one, which disappointed us over here, and then another really good New Zealand player in Brandon Smith, and what idiots, you know? What what bloody idiots. Um, you just don't get away with anything anymore, Smithy. You just you just cannot, and, you know, we had Greg Alexander on earlier in the week, and when I brought that up with him, his voice dropped, his tone dropped. He's just, I could just... It was just rattling with disappointment, and he said, "Mate, it's been going on for twenty years, and I just don't know what to do about it." You know, they throw your hands up in the air, stuff, isn't it? You throw your hands up in the air. They'd be an idiots not to listen to you this afternoon, Steph, <laughs> because you've got a show of quality, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, after the news, Ken Laban, we're going to going to have a chat around the NPC. Uh, he's always a good chat. Wayne Goldsmith, our coach, as we have once a week, our super coach Phil Lutton's joining us. He's a Sydney Morning Herald league writer. He's based in Brisbane. Uh, ben Ross, who won the 2003 Rugby League Grand Final with the Panthers. And uh, we've got the chase on, which is a fun game. And one I'm really looking forward to is Molly Spark, who people wouldn't have heard of. She's 18 years old, and she's just entered the God Zone, 750 kilometre hour odd, five day race. Inspirational stuff. Brilliant stuff. I really look forward to the afternoon. That sounds really interesting. And Dee, Trudy, thank you very much, as always. Uh, Brian, very, very good. JD, uh, working behind the scenes, ferreting away.